0: Welcome to why we with my back in the green room. It's time to talk about the
1: So Danny, I have some awesome news. Clarkson's farm has been renewed for a series two.
0: You want know sports news?
1: What? Wait, no, that's not bad, so it wouldn't be worse news. I see what you did there. What?
0: (laughs) So I got worse news is that uh, that show that Chork told us about got canceled, the one about Gawain and the Green Knight. Charmed? Yeah, it got canceled.
1: It wasn't Charmed. Charmed was a different one. I I don't know.
0: (laughs) Oops. I, I think it was, like, called... I think it was, like, called, um... was it ever called Frozen or Tangled or maybe Moana not exactly sure. <laughs> brave. <laughs> yeah, it was brave. That was it. That sounds about right. Yeah. Like brave on Netflix. Brave on brave Netflix. Netflix show.
1: And yeah. it's about to go to Hulu. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Did you? Oh wait. We you know what movies we watched with each other because we gave them to. That's each right. Last week. Yeah. So I watched this really cool movie that Tyler gave me called "Rain of Fire." And you know, I put it in. And I was so confused. I was like, "Wait, it's raining. How is there fire?" <laughs> And I realized that I misspelled what I typed into a Amazon Prime search, and I was like, oh, it's Rain of Fire. Like, oh, oh Rain. Now, let me tell you my thoughts on Rain of Fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where shall I begin? I really like the premise of it. I think it's a cool idea to do a Mad Max esque apocalyptic future with dragons. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think it is a good movie. It should be a TV show. Mm. Uh, It rushes through the story super quickly. But more importantly than being super quick is that it doesn't really have characters. None of these characters are memorable. None of them are particularly likable. For me, I root for them because it's Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey. And I imagine that in 2002 that did not work because no one knew who Christian Bale was yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and it's just like, I don't know. I think some of the action is cool in theory, but it just rushes through basically this cool world. And basically, I mean, great, it's 2002. Like, you're not going to have sequels or set up sequels for this type of thing. But also it's like, it's such a cool idea of dragons in the future killing everyone but we're just gonna like solve that within basically an hour of movie time because it's like what an hour and 40 minutes and yeah 40 minutes for math McConaughey to show up ish. yep so basically it's like an hour for them to figure this out there was one scene i really liked uh and that was the scene where they reenact star wars yeah yeah it was cool it was fun i also thought the action scene where like they're diving off of something and like the dragons chasing them and like, oh is the parachute's gonna come? I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. And I also thought my main takeaway is that's actually positive is like, wow, these are really good looking dragons for two thousand and two. Uh I think they hold up very well.
1: That's what I was gonna one of my big questions I was gonna ask you is like the CGI for this for this year, um, I thought like they were they were pretty convincing dragons i don't know if you ever if you've ever seen the cgi for um that abc show once upon a time but uh yeah it's like this this film knocks that out, out of the park and uh the house of mouse backs uh once upon a time so so yeah uh that was yeah that was one big one big thing there there are a couple scenes where like the cgi is like super noticeable and there's one that i laugh at every time i watch but i forget about it it's like when i forget that stanley tucci is in captain america 1 um yeah this this one it was a lot like uh the plot of 2014's godzilla narrated by john connor um is like the vibes
0: but the 2014 godzilla okay I'm not going to say it's a better movie, because I don't think it's a better movie, but I think it's a much better directed movie. Yeah. I think Godzilla 2014 very clearly has a vision behind it, and even if I don't totally agree with mm-hmm. it, I understand 100% was- why the things happening are happening. It's kind of like a Zack Snyder movie, but more artful. That's my opinion on the Godzilla 2014 gotcha. movie. Like... Like, Gareth Edwards very clearly knows what he wants to do with Godzilla, and even if I might not agree with it, I respect it. I To me, this premise here is... Sorry, I've kind of cut you off. No, time, you're good. But I just want to clarify here that I think that, like, if this movie was better directed, maybe I'd like it. I've never heard this directed before, and I don't think they do a good job directing this movie at all. It is all the most generic stuff possible, mm-hmm. um, outside of the CG. In fact, now I want to look up what else the director has done. Cause I wasn't impressed. Oh, also Gerard Butler was in this, which was kinda yeah,
1: weird. I I forgot that Gerard Butler was in this, and then uh he starts talking and I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. And he's, it's it was kinda He's fourth build. He was fourth build? And the lady from She's from one of the Bond films. I think one of the Brosnan she's barely Bond films. In this. Yeah, she's barely in it. Uh what yeah, the volume fluctuation on Prime with this movie was horrible. It was like anytime that they talked, they were at a super low whisper and then uh anytime we got like there's one specific uh specific moment where this group of people are out and about Sneaking around, um, and they're whispering, and you can't hear anything that they're saying. And then the dragon, a a dragon shows up, and they, uh, and it's like just, it's blaring. It's like yeah, just how loud it is. Um, You have to, you have to really anticipate the action, which really. I
0: turned on my captioning. I needed it.
1: Yeah, it really uh, took me out of what I, I was. I was trying to let the movie, you know, like pull me back in. Come on, pull me back in. But that kept kept uh, knocking me out. But
0: wait, wait. Before we go on, do you want to know what movie Rob Bowman directed after So It's the only one movie he directed after it. What's that? It's a Marvel superhero movie that was so bad it ended female superhero movies for ten over 10 years. Oh, wow. What was that? It was Electra. Yikes. The Electra Yikes. movie. Yikes. Yeah, I have literally a quote right here. I actually, I, I so I said that off the top of my head, okay. Uh, and I just clicked legacy on the Wikipedia page, and literally the first thing it says is: film critic Scott Mendelssohn blamed the film for both ruining Jennifer Garner's career and killing off the notion of a female-led superhero movie for over a decade.
1: Dang. Ouch. <laughs> what were your thoughts on? Uh, what were your thoughts on the dragons? Just like the believability of of the they dragons. Well,
0: cool. I mean, there, it was no how to train your dragon.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about the refugees?
0: What do you mean? Like,
1: like, I, would you?
0: They were like, like, I don't know. I don't be like, what? what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? No. Um. Sorry. It's just like uh, they were refu- Like, I don't know. To me, they were like. Sorry, I don't mean no, like it's, aggressive about this. Okay. I feel like I'm being very. Um, it's like you know these, like yeah, they're fine. They're like that's all stuff I've seen before. Yeah. I think it's well done, mm-hmm. but I also think it was seen before in like 2002 because Mad Max was in the 80s, right? And Mad Max has done all these archetypes before. It's a little warmer here, but it's like mm. sorry, I don't mean I don't mean to completely shut down discussion on the movie. <laughs> it's just like I'm like they're refugees like okay like, yeah I like the part where they're partying and like Matthew McConaughey is like trying to cry and it's like oh yeah this is the good Matthew McConaughey acting we're aware of but it's also he reminds me of Woody Harrelson in the Planet of the Apes movie so it's like whatever <laughs> that,
1: yeah he does <laughs> yeah I didn't I didn't think of that until yeah you said that yeah he does
0: to so be yeah, it's probably everywhere right? let's be real <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matthew McConaughey I will say for he is ripped in this film.
0: <laughs> you know That makes me want... Can I make a king joke? Sure. So there's a there's a few running gags with my group chat I'm in. Uh, one of them is, I think I mentioned before, is that Kingsman 2 is a movie we're all still watching because it's so long that it hasn't ended yet. Uh, speaking of which, I'm still working on Kingsman 2. Uh, no. Uh, but the other one is that when Lovecraft Country came out, whenever we, we started talking about the show, it would be like, yeah, that, the lead of that show is so swole. He's jacked. And, like, when Kang said that, I was like, I immediately texted him I was like, hey, the new episode of Loki is a very jacked man, and I don't mean you. <laughs> like, you're jacked man. <laughs> like, and he's like, yes, finally, some swole, <laughs> some <marvel." laughs> And the thing that's funny is you can't even notice in John Major's costume is Kang, because it's, like, just a role. Yeah. But, like, if you watch Lovecraft Country, you will be like, man, that guy's jacked. He's Dang. swole. <laughs> he, it's really the only reaction you can have to him in that shit. He's so... So muscular! <laughs> you did not want to break down the science anymore. Well,
1: yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it's it goes, it's it's too much. I'm, I'm like,
0: I just wanted to know what a wyvern. Okay, was. I don't even know. what So a wyvern there's
1: is. a difference between between dragons, which have four legs and wings, and wyverns, which have two back legs and wings, but no like four legs. Which you know that's the difference, Mm. and in this film, some reason I thought a wyvern was a unicorn. No, no, no. uh, I I don't know any wyverns that are unicorns, but uh, if I find a picture, I'll send it to you. Um, Yeah, so that's one thing that I mean. It's a common misperception, um, and it's more of just me nitpicking. uh, But but yeah, they're more of their wyverns Um, two. These are like, this is like the big three things that stick out to me about this film. Um, two, they found this dragon burrowed underneath ground. And like, like, I'm like, why, why is the dragon underground? Like, why is something that has wings that was made to be in the air? Why is it underground? Like,
0: why is, why is underground? underground? (laughs)
1: This week, we discussed week we the discuss. difference between wyverns and dragons. <laughs> um, yeah. Doo,
0: doo, 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 That's the sound
1: that Danny does for our theme song. What? So, uh... That's what the song sounds yeah, like. Yeah, and
0: then it's also, like, there's the thing... Dude, I got sung by a wasp on my head twice this Ouch. Week. Leave me alone. Dang. <laughs> About the movie. Wait, what? I'm like, I was like Ouch. yeah, that's why yeah. I just keep scratching my head. There's like, a, there's a giant. Uh, to quote Jonathan Mage, "It's quite swole." <laughs> <laughs> swole. Uh-huh. But yeah, and then anyway. and then there's <laughs> back to the rain up there. Then
1: they're like, <laughs> then the dragon slayers are like the yeah. Then the dragon slayers are are like, we know we we've studied their etymology or the epidemiology or not. It's etymology. Yeah, we study their etymology, and we've found that, or we think that they're like fish, and the females lay eggs, and then the male just flies over the eggs and fertilizes them. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great, but also, there are a specific species of fish that also produce asexually where they lay the eggs... And those eggs still like they still hatch. They're just basically clones of that of that fish, you know, that laid them. And I'm like, all of the dragons in this film, besides one, they all look alike. And I'm just saying, I think that's more of what what happened. And Matthew McConaughey died for no reason in this film.
0: Okay. We will get back to this movie, but you just reminded me of a side conversation I wanted to have about a movie that we haven't brought up once this week. That's right. It's time for the Luca mention. Oh my gosh. I was like, God damn. It, I was going to no. mention, I'm mentioning Luca uh, later. <laughs> that's true, but I got to mention it now. Is I was having an argument with someone is do we think that Luca's mom had an Luca egg or do we think she was pregnant with Luca? How does this work? Cause the I don't know if she laid an egg and that's what Luca came out of, or if like you know, and if, if, you, if, you, want, if you want to know how I got to this question, I'm not going to say it. It's <laughs> a little. I'm nursing, gonna. But I started started really speculating the the water fisting, the water rules of Luca <laughs> about Luca. I'm Paris. just
1: gonna leave that to Pixar to answer. So
0: <laughs> that's what the short film needs to be about. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> yep. <laughs> Are, is Luca going to grow up to be like a seahorse and be pregnant with his own children? All right, we'll be <laughs> <off>. <laughs> to back the, Matthew McConaughey's death. All right, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: so that that's it. Matthew, like, it was just an excuse for Matthew McConaughey to jump off a building. Also, what did you think of like when he did that? When he just grabs the axe?
0: I was honestly, dude, I was so checked out of the movie better. I was like, I don't care about any of these guys, <laughs> just, like. I I should care about Christian Bale, but I don't. The one I cared about the most was Gerard Butler. And he's already dead, so I don't even care. The movie just kind of moves on anyway from him dying. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. Okay, this movie doesn't care about the character I care about, then I don't care about it. Sorry if that makes me (laughs) bitter. You know, it sounds like I hate the movie more than I do. I gave it 2.5. Gotcha, gotcha. Out of
1: 5. And then then there's that ending, though, which is basically just like three years later... And Matthew McConaughey and uh, the Bond girl, they who had, who had no, they had tension no romantic tension at all. No, it was just all about survival. They are like, oh, we're, we're a couple hands. and let's hold hands. And we've not seen a dragon for three years and we're just run, running out and about. I'm like, yeah, no. I, th- I think the dragons probably died from starvation, at least in that area but yeah no I, I don't think that they they reproduce the way that matthew mcconaughey thought
0: Well, they reproduce by budding that'd be pretty funny anyway um i have to ask cuz you said you tell me why did you give this to me? <laughs> <laughs> i i
1: gave i gave this to you um one because it's a it's a sci-fi film i i say it's sci-fi um,
0: it's it's sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, we'll, it's we'll it it's sci-fi
1: fantasy. It's, it's a fusion. So I gave that I gave it to you because of that, and the CGI is what really what really stood out um, to me on it. Um, and it it wasn't critically acclaimed, but I was like, this is one that he's not seen. That I don't even think like it got a, it had it had a cult following. You know some. Some films uh, will get people that, bring it but,
0: up because you know the two act the three actors in it. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know? and so, that's why it comes up. So yeah, I gave it to you um, because of that, and then also it's it's fun to like talk about the the premise of it and like the believability of the world. You know, just how it how it holds up and the Mad Maxness of it, which I'm glad you picked up
0: on. It came out the same year as uh, the Two Towers. Mm.
1: Yeah, okay. which was no. a. <laughs> I mean, I mean, which is like a superior film, yeah. To definitely to this. Okay, I'm done talking about Rain of Fire. If you're done, yeah, I'm done. Okay, you're like I was, Coco. I was done with time this for Tyler two days ago. to talk
0: about Coco and for me yeah. to battle him. So
1: I didn't watch Coco. I watched Finding Nemo again, and <laughs> no. Um. So yeah. Bye. <laughs> Danny's like, "Bye, I'm gonna cover DC on my on my own." No, <laughs> so,
0: you know, you know, if I ever quit this, in this scenario, I was like, "I'm watching a Pixar podcast." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, no, this it's a very colorful, uh, colorful film, and I especially enjoyed the animation with like with Hector
0: in this film. Just character animations and
1: Yeah. Um, Phenomenal. My favorite moment is the plot twist, which I won't reveal. But Danny, you has should. has out me. for four years. I was years. like, Danny's already told me that he was going to do it. Um, I was jaw-droppingly surprised at the death from above via Bell. Like I, I, my jaw literally dropped. I that's not just figure of speech. I was like, like whoa! The movie
0: where the jaw drops all the way to the ground.
1: Like thing. It, it, it was yeah, close. I, I was close to that. Uh, yeah.
0: I think it's funny that that's what you were surprised by, and not like the fact that this movie that is designed for children literally has like a murder on screen happen. <laughs> like, yeah. In a flashback. Yeah, that's like, true. I remember that. I, mean, I was like, "Oh, dang! This is like real. Like this, and it's not like it's it's literally like, yeah. They poisoned him, and we see him fall to the ground, clutching his stomach." And just blank there. Yeah. He, he dies on Yeah, screen. he does. He does. He does. Yeah.
1: I didn't even didn't even think about that. Yeah. So yeah, the, it was a it was a bold move. Uh Pixar. Also, that dog is so ugly. It is so ugly. He's he's so he is cute. so great. He's so cute, but he's so ugly. Like each time each time he was on screen, I was just like, like. I lost track of whatever was happening, and I'm like, that dog is so ugly. It's just like, it's, yeah. No, the grit, the, uh, not the grandma. Yeah. Yeah. It was the grandma. Uh, she was like, do not, n- never name a street dog. They'll follow you forever. Uh, yeah. I thought that was, that was some funny foreshadowing. Um, I think it's about the same tier quality as Soul. Um, I give it a, uh, three out of five uh (laughs) danny's giving me thumbs down um i think luca's better uh i definitely want a coco sequel i don't want a luca sequel but i want a coco sequel where luca and miguel meet
0: so i've seen coke uh, i'll answer that later uh but i've seen a coco sequel i'm like, excuse me i, haven't seen a Cocoa sequel. <laughs> I was like um, i was like what are you, you holding know, back danny the <laughs> obvious premise i actually have a joke about a coco sequel which is that you know pixar always announces like there was a long period where they're announcing sequels and i was like well there's literally only one way you can make a sequel to coco and that'd be it it's titled coco to miguel dies that's <laughs> the only way right. you can do a sequel to it because no because there's no other way you can send him back to the land without being super contrived and if he died, it's like yeah, okay, like you know that's how you get Hector back in there. He's dead now. Yeah. Like he now, would it be a good idea? No. They should never make a sequel to Coco. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. But I've always been—I always have the joke of like Coco two Miguel dies. It's like those are my two joke Pixar sequels. It's Cars two two and Coco two Miguel dies. Um. So I think I've seen Coco eight times in theaters. Which was six times in the original run. I caught it last year when they were playing it during, like, around the, the Day of the Dead. Yeah. Like, in theaters. Because, uh, you know, theaters need a product. And then I also caught it uh, in concert two years back, which was really cool. I've only seen two movies in concert. Mm. It's been Coco and Get Out. Uh, and Get Out was also really cool because they had, like, a choir. Like, a, like not a, qu- a quartet of people that were singing the pop songs in it, which was really cool. Yeah. Um but Coco was really good because I think the score is very underrated because the songs are so good. Mm. Um, and The score is very different than the songs in it. I think Coco is a movie that every time I see it, I cry so much at the ending. Uh, and it's actually not the, uh, I mean, yeah, if it's been a while, or like in the initial one, I cried a lot at the stuff with uh, Mama Coco at the end. We're spoiling the whole movie. It's been out four years. Tyler, honestly, is like the last person I know who hasn't seen it. So yep. we can spoil it um most people you know and i cried too of course the first few times i saw it and still now if i revisit it uh when miguel sings to mama coco uh and that helps her remember but i always cry at like the ending because to me the ending like is such a happy ending but like they literally went through hell to get to it and it's like so earned like, the flash forward where we see them all. Well, first we see Hector finally crossing the bridge and then hugging Coco, which he's been desiring to do the entire, like, literally the entire movie in the last 80 years. We get that. I'm talking about it. And I'm getting emotional. Uh, we get to see that. They go over. And then we see Miguel is embraced by his family, his love of music, and his other people in his family join it. The dog lives there now, too. Yeah. And the Abuela loves the dog now. It's like, this is so earned. Everything in this movie was so hard for all these characters and they got it and the song is beautiful. Again, to me like okay, the thing about that last song is if you read the lyrics they're actually not that great. But I have a th- it's not a theory. It's like it's like a headcanon if you know what that term is. I you you do, right? No, yes, maybe so. It's like it's not confirmed. It's it's like a theory that you're like no one can tell me otherwise. No one's going to no one from the production's going to tell me I'm wrong. Mm. so it's it's my canon um is that the last song has kind of iffy lyrics because my theory is that it's Miguel it's written by Miguel and that is why it is also like I start crying there too it's like this is such a perfect ending but I also literally think that Coco has one flaw in the entire movie and it's a flaw that I'm okay with it's because um well okay you know it's kind of two flaws but they're both ones I'm okay with the bigger flaw is that it rips off its ending from Monsters, Inc. a little bit, but it's not the ending that matters. It's the action climax, which does not matter for this movie at all. It's the emotional climax that matters. Yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about, like, you know, when, like, the camera's on Ernesto and it's, like, announced to everyone that he kidnapped a thousand children before he let this his company die. Yeah. Uh, that's the Monsters Inc. glide uh, Yeah, I was... I, I, was uh, I don't know
1: why I was... I was like, I missed that in Coco. I was like, when, when did no, that happen? No, 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 in Monsters Inc., you know? Yeah. They
0: record water news, and, like, everyone sees it. Yep. And that's what, like, ruins his reputation. That's... It's here, and it's really weird. I don't know... It's, it's the one big flaw Everything I don't like is that I don't like the slapstick, Uh That is, like, when they're trying to get the photo back in the climax... But I also get that it's for kids, so it's okay to have that there. The kids need it a little bit because this movie I really don't think is that like funny. Like that's okay. I don't think it's trying to be funny. I think it's like this really like important. Like I don't know. It's so hard. I I do think it's a perfectly constructed film. I think Miguel is such a likable protagonist. Everything we're given makes sense, and a lot of people are like this thing about none of this family wanting to listen to music is like not like it's not realistic it's like it's a it's a fable this is like a literal like it's a mythic story time a um, it's, it's Orpheus not orpheus but you know like it's, it's an archetype where like you know someone goes to the underworld and comes back with something new and their like new realizations and yeah stuff. yeah and so like to me they're being like you, this family refuses to have music this might be like That doesn't make any sense. That's unrealistic. It's a cartoon. Get over it. Like, like, it's... And, like, it makes sense for the reality of the story that's being told. And, like, ah, there's just so much I love in this movie. Un poco loco, phenomenal scene. Everything with Hector, phenomenal scene. The entire movie, phenomenal. Uh, Three out of five, not phenomenal. (laughs) Not phenomenal. Also, what I love about the dog is you rewatch the movie, which I know you haven't. Track the dog. The dog constantly is dragging Miguel into things that help him. And when Miguel ignores him, he's ignoring literally, like, stuff like... Trying to have him realize that Hector is his great... Like, his ancestor, you know? Stuff yeah. like that. The dog is his spirit guide in the movie. You just don't notice it the first time. Because the dog is framed as this stupid dog sidekick of a, kid, uh, of a Disney movie.
1: He's so ugly!
0: <laughs> he, is, he is so, like...
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And it's like I think it's a movie where everyone behaves the way they should mm-hmm. and like the appropriate response like of course Ab- Abuela is going to act the way she does in the movie. Of course uh, Imelda who's Hector's ex-wife is going to act the way she does. Everything in the movie makes sense and the hiding of the twist and I put that in air quotes because I don't I think the twist is not unpredictable I, that's, I, this is, that's actually the reason I get to because you know I always talk about how people go like this movie's predictable, and it's bad. I'm like, I think Coco is a movie that you watch it, watch its first 45 minutes, you know exactly how it's going to end. But that doesn't make the ending any less good. I think the ending is more of Pixar. If not, I think Coco is my favorite Pixar movie. And mm. I, I feel confident saying that despite how recent it is, because I've seen it so much in the span of when it's come out. And it makes me sob every time. It makes me laugh every time. It makes me smile widely every time. I think it is legitimately... One of the best movies of the last decade. Um, if not the best movie of the last decade, I have to look at my list to see what I have above it. I think I, I like Boyhood more, but I think Coco might be. Coco's probably the best animated movie of the last decade, uh, in my mind. Uh, that's why, I'm like, same tier as Soul. Now, granted, I dig of Soul 5 out of 5 as well, but Soul is like a. I want to be like a typical 5 out of 5, but Coco is like cream of the crop, top 10 movie of all time type of thing to me. <laughs> like. I legitimately adore this movie. And you thinking Luke is better means that I have to quit this podcast and go cover DC. I'm so sorry. Goodbye.
1: Is, it, or is this you signing off for the last time? Is that what you just did?
0: I should just, I just, have just left it. And I <laughs> left, left the group. And he like, me like, are you okay, man? <laughs> I, I, said all, I, was like, I said all I had to say. No. I just... <laughs>
1: I talked about Coco.
0: <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, nah. Um, I'm trying to think what else to ask you about this. It's like, I don't know what... Okay, so if it's a three out of five, what keeps it from the five out of five? You say it's predictable. I'm going to strangle you. I will literally go to your house and strangle you. I mean, you okay, no. So
1: no, I okay, so <laughs> here's... The thing about the plot is that the overall film... Yeah, you can say. Well, I know he's gonna come back from the land of the dead. I mean, you already know. You already know that going in because I think there's there's a precedent with Pixar films um, or with more animation in general of we. You know, the hero's gonna. They're gonna like they're gonna get their. They're not gonna, uh, die. They're not gonna die. They're going to um, get like they're gonna achieve their goal. Um, so that one, I was already kind of like, okay, yeah, but it's the, tw- it's the twist is what kept me going. Cause I was, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. He's in the land of the dead. Um, uh, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's colorful. Um, but then that twist happens and I was kind of like, oh, well, okay. Now this adds like a whole other layer. You know, um, to this film, and um, that's what kept me, kept me intrigued, you know, intrigued through it. And then I'm also like, just because he can go back, he can get back to the land of the living doesn't necessarily, and he has someone's, uh, permission. You know, he has an ancestor's permission to play music. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's still going to get to play music when he gets back. You know, like his family could have yeah, very easily destroyed the guitar.
0: Which is lie that. La- well, I, I don't want to get there yet. I want to yeah. reply to something first. Is that I think it becomes very quickly once the plot twist happens, even a bit before him, but especially when that happens that it no longer matters about Miguel. I I mean, of course I want him to get back, but it's also like, oh, he's... You know, there's never any chance of him not getting back. But Hector literally has, like, this impossible task in front of him that he's been stuck with for, like, 90 or so years, you know? Like, for such a long time. And it's... It has a huge amount of gravity to it. Yeah. Especially when, like, you know, they lose the picture at the end. You're like, how is this going to be resolved? because it does not feel like it should, like, you know, like it does not feel like it should be resolved, Mm -hmm. but then it is. And it's like, ah, it it just feels so good. And of course the way it's resolved allows them to play music still. And it's, you know, all that stuff is also like, it's rooted in real, like real, it's like in reality, Alzheimer's patients like can listen to music and it helps jog their memory, like old songs they listen to. So it's rooted in this reality that we're, Like if you know about the stuff, you like you're like, of course this is the answer. Of course she's he's gonna play that song, and then I hate I go. Of course we always Pixar always gotta talk about the animation. The animation on Mama Coco is astounding. Like her face when she suddenly remembers is I'm thinking about it now and I'm literally getting goosebumps. Uh, look on her face when she begins to sing at the end. Yeah, and it's just oh, and I also think. I, I, I this is such a weird thing to say. I think this is one of the best titled movies I've seen. Because you go in this movie, not knowing why it's titled Coco, you're like, oh, okay, it's his grandma, all right. Like, his great-grandma, whatever. And then you realize that literally that is, like, it is... Coco is the world actor. And she's the key to this entire movie. Even if she's only in it for, like, three minutes probably total. Yeah. She is the most... And the whole argument of the movie really is, is like, the love of one person... Matters more than anything else to somebody in the world. And that's, it's like such a powerful idea to build your movie around that Mm -hmm. and frame it as, oh, this is an adventure about a kid who ends up in the underworld and then he gets his way. I say the underworld because that's like the archetype, but the land of the dead. And then he tries to find his way home and he meets some family members along the way. Like, but it's so, it's like, it's real, like, it's a really heavy movie. (laughs) Yeah. So much in it. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's something where like, it's just such a tragic story, too. Even, like, even with its happy ending, it takes 90 years for Hector to get his happy ending. That's 90 years of misery yeah. that he's gone through. And, like, yeah, he gets an eternal, a presumably eternal a happily ever after. But it's just, like, ah, oh, this is such a... I'm, like, and that's why, again, that ending is so good because it's, like, not, And, of course, Miguel, like, of course, I'm happy. He gets to play his music. But it's more like the hug he gets from Coco. And it's like, he finally got it. Like, after so long. (laughs) And it's just, ah, I see it. That's why I adore this movie. It's like, soul, like, I don't want to be like, again, this goes back to the thing of Luca where people are like, the stakes aren't high enough. But with Coco, the stakes are all about one person. Or two people, really. Like, we'll make out the play's music, but more, well, Hector gets to actually be allowed to return to the family that he never intended to leave. Um, and those stakes aren't revealed. till you know, about an hour or so into the movie, but like once they are, it's like the whole thing clicks into place because Miguel, of course, the entire movie is like, I don't even want my family, but he's, he's a kid, right? Like, yeah, that's what kids say. But then it's like, he realizes very quickly. it's like, you don't actually mean that when you see this guy who's been 90 years trying to get back to his family. Yeah. And because of the stuff Miguel has been dealing with as like, you don't let me play music. That is all because of the fact that this guy messed up in such a minor way and then got screwed over by another guy. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't even feel like I'm talking about the movie. I also just think Coco, to me, also is just like, it's a very personal movie to me and how it deals with family. And, you know, the big, like, it's about family thing right now on the internet with Vin Diesel. Uh, but I, I don't the know. The movies. <laughs> the move the Bob guy with family <laughs> but I just think I, I do think it's Pixar's finest film um, which is why I'm always like and I also would say uh, maybe and I remember when I saw it initially I was like eh, 4 out of 5 and then every watch was like 5 out of 5 so maybe down the road obviously i'm not gonna give this to you next time we do this like tyler watch coco again <laughs> watch coco until you give
1: that, it a five out of five <laughs>
0: yeah basically um but i do think if you revisit this down the road i think it's one of those things also when you know where it's going 100 percent, it works better because you get to see how well it sees things at the beginning
1: gotcha gotcha uh
0: I remember, like, there's also some moments in it that I remember singing it with an audience and, like, kids laughed at it. And you could tell all the adults, like, being like, what are you, what's so funny about this? Yeah. Particularly in the beginning where it's, like, she's, like, uh, Mama Coco and the abuela. She's feeding... Or she's, like, offering her tamales. And she just goes, who are you, anyway? Like, Grandma Coco. And, like, the audience... Kid the audience laugh and all the parents are, like, what are you laughing at, kids? Like, this is very sad. Uh, but... Yeah, it's I don't know. I keep gushing. I this is the thing. Is like you get me talking about Coco. I'll just keep going on and on and on about it. Is I I think it is a brilliant movie. I'm sorry, Tyler, that I keep. But you know what? I feel like you talked about Rain of Fire more than I did. So it's yeah. okay that I'm talking about Coco more than you are. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: I if this okay. So like, I guess my rating system between Soul, Luca, and Coco. It's more. Personal, I guess for, for me. Cause like Luca, I could relate to my, you know, relate like some part of me, my childhood back to Luca. Whereas like soul, I, you know, I was, I was kind of like, it's a good, it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed watching it. Now, Luca, I'd probably watch two or three times a year and enjoy it. Soul and Coco, I'd probably watch once a year. MB, MB, okay. Um, well, but
0: I think it's interesting you say that because to me, well, and of course, that's a very valid view of the films. Uh, I think, well, Soul, Soul, I actually don't, I think Soul is way too close to where I am in my life right now for me to enjoy it. Like, like, like you no, know no, I know, mean? I, I, I know, like I know what you mean, movie, yeah, but yeah. I can't keep watching because I'm like, this is way hitting way too like even watching like this is hitting way too close to home for me right now yeah as much as i like it and it's i i think i said this when i talked about it is i think the message of soul is a message i both really appreciate and one that i actually personally this is getting to be real talk but it's okay the listeners will like it if they're listening to this i think it's weirdly too it's beyond where i am right now in my own personal development you get does that make sense like i hear what it's saying but i can't take its advice yet I haven't got the life experiences it's talking about, mm. which is why I also with Soul's like I don't get how kids can get anything out of this because I don't think I'm mature enough to get this movie. Mm. Like, but that, that's where I met with Soul. With Coco, Coco, to me, I always, this is, and I want to get really personal. It's um, I feel like Miguel reminds me both a ton of myself when I was a kid and how I am now and how I relate to my family, where I'm always trying to do something different than the rest of the group is. Right, and, you know, you get all these talks like, "Why don't you get like, why don't you get something where it could help you do stuff on the side?" And I know that's not what this movie, and that actually, that's what Soul is more blatantly about. Uh, I think it's, Soul and Coco are basically two sides of the same coin. I just think Coco is focused more on the family aspect of it and the familial pressure. Now, granted, there is the mom character in Soul, but that's not the main focus. The point of Soul is about your own self fulfillment, whereas Coco's thing is, can you? Get your family to accept you for what you want to do, and will they let you explore that um, without reservations? Which is also why that ending of Coco to me really resonates, because it is a fairy in a way. It is a fairy tale happy ending. I don't think anyone would go, obviously not. No one would go through the land of the dead experience that uh, Miguel does. But even if you know you got your parents like, yeah, you can play the instrument because you helped Mama Coco have her memories. I don't think it's going to jump ahead a year and have you having a mariachi band where you're leading your entire uh, family in a party. You know, I don't think things change that quickly, but it's okay. You know, yeah, like it's, it's it's cathartic because I don't think it's real. And that's the whole movie. You know, it's a cartoon. It's not real. Luca too. Uh, I think Luca though, again, I'm not trashing Luca at all. I think Luca, I said this when we talked about Luca, the ending of Luca has me thinking about all my friends in my life that I've lost you know not not like you know like lost lost but just like the i don't talk to them anymore. yeah i don't know i just think again this goes back to i think i think pixar is like the greatest studio working right now <laughs> like this, that's what this goes back to is like i legitimately think pixar uh for all their cars threes and even cars twos as much as i like to say cars two is good it it's good because it's bad i'll be like this is me getting it's way too real on this it's like spoiler i think cars 2 is not a good movie actually but i think it is a wildly entertaining bad movie um but that's not what i mean though when i talk about pixel you know i talk about the stuff like coco luca and soul where i think all these messages in them are quite i think even for uh, even for luca i think all of them are heavy messages with luca it's a, it might not be for us but for children that message is really tough to say. Yeah, you're not going to be friends with your friends forever, type of thing. You know. Yeah. Or at least you're not going to always be with them. You're going to eventually have to say goodbye. alerts for Luca, by the way. Listen to this podcast, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yep. But you know what? It's been out a month. It's been out a month. We can. Oh my God, Soul's. Been, I think Luca's been out a month. That's crazy. Time goes by so quickly. But I think you saying that Luca is more personal because you know we all have different experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luca being more personal for you makes sense. Uh, I don't know. It's just ah. I mean, like, I, 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 I definitely,
1: d- I definitely relate to, to Miguel with the, cause I'm like out of, out of my, my family, um, it, I am out of my direct family. I am first generation college, you know, college graduate, um, for, yeah. I will, I will be the first to have a master's degree. Um, I, I also was like the one who was doing theater and playing guitar and um like writing writing music and uh have have a podcast and am looking yeah. you know looking to venture into um like uh like gaming and you uh like YouTube and you know there's all kinds of stuff that I want to venture further into um creatively um I think as creatives a lot of creatives can relate you know with Miguel um on on that and I, one thing I like about like both Soul and um and Coco is that they are both very much rooted in they're they're very much grounded in the uh, culture that they represent, and it's you yeah. know the representation is done very well.
0: Well, with Soul, wait, can I? Can we, I, I don't want to cut you off entirely, but I want to clarify because I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking okay, about. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. for you because it will. Uh, Kemp Powers was brought on to Soul, I think, in 2018, 2017. I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Pixar movies really take about five years to make, and Kemp Powers is a black playwright who also wrote One Night in Miami. And he's, as we said before, he's directing Spider-Verse 2. Yeah. Co-directing Spider-Verse 2, which is really exciting. Uh, and they brought him on very explicitly. I remember reading this. And it's actually, I remember this made me laugh at the time because it was like an interview where Pete Doctor said, I knew the story had to be about jazz because jazz had a lot to do with the themes I wanted to yeah. tackle. And I knew as soon as it was about jazz, I had to have a black protagonist, which means I needed black creatives to help me out. Uh, Which, which that that's that me made me laugh because it's kind of read to be like a subtweet of Damien Chazelle and I don't know. I don't know if you've seen La La Land, but there's a lot of dis, Was a lot of discourse, and there's still a lot of discourse around La La Land mm. on how the two leads of it are white, and it's about jazz. Yeah. Uh, and the person who is treated as the saw of jazz is played by John Legend, and is the only person of color in the cast. Mm. It, like you see, like there's a lot of discourse yeah. around that. Yeah, I can see and of that. Of course, Damien Chazelle is white, who wrote and directed the film. Uh, and then, so when Pete Doctor to Still, I was like, ooh, this is a subtweet. they say, like, as soon as I knew I had to movie by Chaz, I had to have a black protagonist. But it's also true. And I think, anyway, you can go on for your story, but I, I want to clarify, I'm pretty sure whoever you're talking about is Kemp Powers. Yes. Because yeah. he basically well, came on the script and rewrote a lot of it. But but they, the I mean, they,
1: they talked to Powers, and uh, they were like, what would, what would be, like, the one thing that uh, you, like, you would do... Before a big event and he was like I'd get a haircut and so they added this great scene into soul um where
0: barbershop scene is phenomenal you know where (laughs) yeah
1: where uh where our character I forget who the main character is of Joe Joe yeah. Where uh, Joe, where Joe, Joe. <laughs> where Joe uh, goes, he he gets a haircut. Even though he's, you know, it's voiced. um You know, the voices are switched. It's twenty
0: two. It's it's, it's, it's twenty two. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he.
1: It's it's still like they go,
0: they go, they both go. They go. It's <laughs> we'll it's put it like that. Yeah.
1: I think that is something that is that Pixar is doing. Pixar's doing a lot of things right um and i think that is something that like with this with this movie that i i definitely uh noticed was like the representation you know
0: my thing with coco and this goes off kind of what you said about kent powers is that i since this came out i've been praying hoping we've had no news on it if it's happening or not because i don't know he just hasn't been saying i know he still works at pixar he says a co-director and adrian molina who was Kind of brought on, like, Cap Powers. He's, he was a story, I think a storyboarder at Pixar before this for a couple years, like, since Inside Out or, like, maybe since Monsters U, which is, like, 2013. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, I'm Hispanic. Uh, I'm from Mexico. I really would like to be on this movie with you. And I have some ideas. And I wrote a couple song demos for it. Like, he wrote all the music in it besides Remember Me. Mm. So he's a co-writer, a co-director, and co-song composer on this movie. And I'm like, this is such a, like, I I want him to do a film at Pixar. I would be so excited to see what he would have yeah. up his sleeve as, like, a full-time director. Because I think this is so, like, the music itself, like, the mu- besides Remember Me, all the music is done by him and uh composer. Mm. Like, he wrote all the lyrics for it. And I think, like, Um Poco Loco is a phenomenal song. I actually think Coco would be my pick right now if I had to adapt a thing, a Disney thing that is not a musical into a stage musical, I'd pick Coco gotcha because i think it has a very um poco loco is such an obvious act break yeah um and i also think you could do so much cool stuff with the makeup and the dancing and like because the music is so built into the story yeah um even if i don't consider it's in that weird gray area it's like it's kind of musical kind of not because it's all diegetic but um but anyway i think adrian molina would be he's i think he's a real reason coco works uh not to say Lee Unkrich, who's the director, who also did Toy Story 3, didn't do the work, because I do think it feels... I think it's a much better film than Toy Story. I I think it's the best Pixar movie. Uh But it is a... You know, like, you know what I'm saying. Like, I think very much right now, Pixar is doing this thing. Where, and I say doing this thing like it sounds negative, but it's good, is that they're getting new directors, they're getting new talent, and they're bringing in new perspectives. You see it with Coco first with Adrian Molina. You see it in, um, of course, Soul with uh, getting Kemp Powers on board to work on it. And you see it with Luca, where this is person who's been with this company for a bit has a new art style and he's from Italy, telling a story about his childhood. And then now I don't know if you see saw there's a trailer out for Pixar's next movie. Uh, it's called Turning Red and it's from Dami. Shin. Yeah, I saw the um, saw the
1: trailer for it. I. I'm. I think the trailer. I'm uh, iffy uh, on it, but I'm ready for Lightyear. But anyways,
0: well, no, 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 no. Here's my thing about turning red. Here's my thing about turning red's trailer. Uh, is that I think if you cut the exact same footage to a different song, it probably looks much better. Gotcha. Because it's set to the Backstreet Boys, and I feel like that felt very weird for me for a Pixar trailer. If that had been set to like just some orchestrated like w- goofy music, like you know, what I mean, like so, like some more playful. Not, not a song, you know what I mean? Like, just a playful, orchestrated track. Yeah. I think that trailer would play much better. I'm very excited for it, because it's from the director who did... I don't know if you like this short. I think it's one of Pixar's most exciting music have ever done, even though I think it's kind of flawed. She did that short that was in front of Incredibles 2. Did you, you see Incredibles 2?
1: I did, but I don't remember the, the it's short. It's where
0: she makes, like, a dumpling baby, and then she eats the dumpling baby at one point. Oh, the short. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Th- that was such a crazy thing to do and like put that in front of Incredibles too. Like, a, like, and like, I get that it didn't work for everyone, but what a swing, you know? Yeah. Like, like, everyone else would be like, no, I don't want to do that. And the thing that I've always heard about this, that short, which again gives me back to my thing where i like, I'm really excited for the future Pixar, is that Domi she originally pitched it and didn't have that in there. And Pete Doctor was like, you pitched it to me in private with her eating the baby. You need to have that in there. That's the whole reason this idea works. And the fact that Pete Doctor's like going to go to that for such a weird idea. And for me, Bao works. I think Bao is a good short. Uh, I know it's very divisive. I don't know where you fall on it, but I think it made me, it, I showed it in at work a few days ago and it made me, um, it made me emotional. I was like, I can't watch this. I'm about to cry when she's gonna eat, when the kid shows up, you know, her son shows up at the end. I'm like, uh, oh, it makes me emotional. But yeah, anyway, I, I I'm very excited for turning red. Um, but I do agree that the trail is kind of, eh. I'm more, I'm more excited for the light year. Cause again, it's a new perspective. It's a, uh, Asian, uh, an Asian Canadian, let a say Asian American, but technically she's from Canada An Asian Canadian woman directing a Pixar movie. Mm. We, we've not had a woman direct a Pixar movie. Not once. Gotcha. Which is insane. Yeah. Brave was supposed to be directed by a woman and they fired her. Wow. Which is Insane to me because that movie is very clearly designed to be about like a mother daughter relationship and they're like we don't want you you on this anymore. But anyway, I feel like I feel like we're probably going a bit long and I'm just kind of talking about Pixar in general right now. But Coco, three out of five. I love it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can have your Lucas sequel. Wait 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 wait. No. I never replied. We do. Have to, I have to reply to this unless you want to say something else.
1: What are you talking about? Th- about your, Replying to what? Your Miguel Luca crossover. It's not a Miguel Luca no, crossover. It's just Luca and Miguel are going to meet in a Coco sequel.
0: Now, what I want is, let me pitch it to you. Miguel, it's a foreign exchange student to Italy, and it's a love triangle between him, Luca,
1: no, and Miguel, no, take your fan fiction <laughs> out of here.
0: And then Alberto uh, comes, and I get cut off because. I'm not allowed to talk about (laughs) Luca No. no. All right.
1: All right. We'll catch you in the next one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Bye guys.